Even if you don't use our specific skills, if you don't have your, your repetitions in, if that neural pathway is not paved yet, if you keep tactical empathy at the forefront of your mind, even if you're not saying everything exactly right, it's going to go better for you. Okay? If you remember tactile empathy and listening and how much you need to pay attention, how you need to stop talking, and you think about the feelings of the person on the other side, that's what tactical empathy is all about. The skills that we have are the quickest way for you to get there. The labels, the mirrors, the dynamic silence, all those things are the, are the great way to actually get you to that tactical empathy. We're, we're not just telling you, stay curious, be nice, and listen. We're telling you, do that. Here's the tools you can use to get you there. That's why we have the skills that, we're, that we impart to you. Also, by using tactical empathy, you're getting rid of all those negative emotions and dynamics that are on the other side. If people come into a conversation, if people come into a negotiation harboring negative thoughts, which everybody does, I would venture to say, based on conversations I've had in my own life, whoever you're dealing with on the other side of the table, there's fear involved somehow. It may not be in the situation that you're in. It may be this negotiation is scheduled to take an hour. I have to, be, I have to pick my kid up at daycare at 3.30. We're going to be done here by 3. Am I going to have time to get there? That's their fear, but there's a fear. They're harboring something. There's emotion somewhere in there. It's on you to be aware of that. Because that negative thought or emotion is in the back of their mind. Their mind is not clear. When their mind is not clear, they can't hear what you're saying because half of their mind is preoccupied somewhere else. And if you can figure that out, you can watch body language, label and mirror, and you can get that out. And once you get that out and you let them know, I understand that, you know, then you can reassure them. We'll be, we'll be done by three. And then whew, clear, it's gone. Then they can listen to you. There's always something on the other side, a negative thought or feeling on the other side that needs to be mitigated or diffused before you can get going. And, and not just in a negotiation, in any conversation. Tim, yeah. Um, I guess part of the fear that I'm hearing is, so I've got a situation that comes to my mind the person, the way they express themselves, they never want to be wrong. They never want to kind of acknowledge their role in their situation that they're kind of blaming for. What, what, is that fear of embarrassment? Is that fear of, what is that? What is that? You I follow you. I don't know, but you know how you can figure it out? It seems like, what are they telling you? Based on what you just said to me, what are they, what are they telling you? So the other side of it is... No, really, I want to know. It seems like what I'm helping you get a label for them. It seems like you are nervous about something. It seems like you're worried about something. You need to put it out there. Point out the elephant in the room. If you don't, it's going to trample all over your conversation. Seems like you're worried about being wrong. There you go. Perfect. Not that hard, right? Whatever dynamic you see, you point it out. When we get to the quick, Barbara's going to take us into the quick two plus one in a little bit you're going to realize that it, what the easiest thing is to label is someone's emotion. Because like the lovely faces I gave you earlier that you pegged right away, it's very easy to see someone's emotion. Because as human beings, we're kind of tuned into that. You're tuned in to know when someone's especially mad or upset. You've gone deeper than that. You already figured out really kind of the why behind it. In order to figure out why that why is there or what's going on with that, you label that. 
seems like you're worried about being wrong. And then let them tell you. They'll just say, no, 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 I'm just worried about this. Either way, you're getting information. doesn't matter what they say. And no matter what someone says to you, don't get defensive. Whatever you're labeling them with, you're asking for the, the response. So when they give it to you, don't go, hey, just take it. Whatever they tell you. Because whatever they're telling you, you're getting information. That's what you want. This is a gathering information process. More information you get, more powerful you are. So whatever you say, if you don't get the response that you think you want, go with the response that you get because it's information. Everything you're getting is going to be important at some point. So just be happy with the information you're getting. That was a good question. Any other questions? Issues anybody wants to bring up like that? Yes? It seems like you might not be able to put words to the situation that's happening. That's what you do. You don't ask a question. <laughs> I forget. What did I say? <laughs> just came in the moment. See, I don't concentrate. I just take what you're saying and I label it. Yeah, it seems like you don't have the words to describe what's got you upset. You don't, because when you're trying to get to the root of a problem and you start asking people questions, if you're dealing with an analyst, boom, shut down, forget it. You're getting no more information because you're asking direct questions and they hate that. We use labels with an upward inflection to get information. There's no question buzzwords there. So it seems, it sounds, it looks, it feels, upward inflection. That's essentially a question. That's how they take it, but there's no buzzword, so they don't feel like it's a question. And they'll give you information all day long because you're not really asking them anything. So any dynamic that you can describe, I saw your hand, I'll be right there. Um, any dynamic that you can describe, like people have done just walking around here, you can label that. Whatever it is you think you're seeing, you don't know how to address it, say it seems like and just say what you just said to me, to the person. And you're going to get a response. Yeah. Dialogue. Somebody's got kidnapped. Is that like an Amber Alert? What's going on? <laughs> Weather? <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. Those alerts mean something in law enforcement land. <laughs> Seems like whatever you need to get off your chest is making you feel uncomfortable. You might, you might repeat yeah, because we couldn't hear it. Yes. I already yeah. forgot the question. This blonde hair comes in handy, let me tell you. What if, you're, what if the person that you're discussing that with is uncomfortable with disclosing why they're not saying those words? Um, I caught myself in a lot of those situations. Like, and you shut down because you're like, oh, I don't want to ask you anything because you feel uncomfortable. I'm scared to ask, yeah, I'm scared to get them too far out of their comfort zone or, or make them more uncomfortable. The thing is, people are only going to go as far as they want to go. If you give them that label, it seems like whatever you need to get off your chest is really, really uncomfortable for you to talk about. And you do that with that little vice downward analyst, late night FMDJ inflection. And you look at them like, like I'm going to listen to everything you have to say. And they'll spill it. Because you want people to feel comfortable. People have to feel comfortable, especially in situations. I mean, I worked sex crimes. I use this stuff on victims too, because how comfortable do you think they are talking to me about what they just went through? It's awful. So am I going to sit there and go, what happened next? What happened when you did this? What happened when that happened? What happened? No, I can't do that. They're already like shell-shocked. So I go in there with a very calm voice. 
and I use labels. Seems like that was really rough. Oh, seems like that must have really scared you. Looks like you didn't have anything else you could do there. Neff asked those questions. They gave me all kinds of information and did not feel like I was grilling them, which is why this works so well like an interrogation because they're not being asked questions. So they're giving information away freely and not realizing what they're saying until after it comes out of their mouth. And they're extremely guarded. You know, you've got a suspect in front of you. They don't want to tell you anything. So when you just start rattling off at them, you don't ask them any questions. You're just using labels. They start singing all day long because they don't feel interrogated. And when you pepper people with questions, that's exactly how they feel, whether they're an analyst or not. And analysts absolutely hate questions. But anybody, if you're peppering them with questions constantly, it feels like an interrogation. It feels like they're in the middle of the Spanish Inquisition. And it makes them uncomfortable. So just stop doing it. And yeah, I thought I saw a hand up. Did you have your hand up or you just? Yeah. Okay. I think my question is still more around what do you do for yourself to, I guess. Um, Debrief. Control oh. yourself, like control your own emotions, right? To stop yourself from going from being, uh, to stay empathetic versus going towards the same side. So I will tell you, and I'm going to have Troy and Barbara, I'm mean, everybody chain, you know, chime in on this one because everybody has a different way of dealing with that. For me, it becomes mental gymnastics. I can harden myself, especially if it's a difficult conversation, I can harden myself against whatever's going to be said. Stay curious, stay curious, stay curious. No need to get mad. And I go in there and sit down and they don't want to hear about me. I need to hear everything from them. They're going to dump all over me. They might even yell at me. But if they yell at me, what good is it going to do to me if I yell back? Then you're both way up here and nothing's working. Because when you yell at someone, what does their brain do? It scrambles. It's like scrambled eggs up there. So the only way you get them to calm down is by not yelling. So um, note to people with kids, and I'm not saying don't scream at them because God knows I have three daughters that I screamed at a lot. So, you know, sometimes you just got to do that. But what you have to understand is when you raise your voice, it scrambles their brains. And then when you say, you shouldn't do that because blah, 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 they're going, uh huh, and they don't even know what you're saying. They can't hear it because they're up here right now. So if you have to yell at your kid, yell at your kid. You take a time out, then you come back. Sorry I yelled at you, but there's a reason why we don't do this, this, and this. And, we, and it's because this, and it's not safe. And whatever you need to say to them at that point, when they're calm, they can hear what you're saying. When you scream at them and correct them, they're not going to know that. It's the same with animals, the same way. How many people here have dogs? You yell at the dog, it does this, and it doesn't know what you're saying, and it's going to keep coming back, and you know it's going to do the same thing tomorrow because it doesn't know. You scramble brains of animals, of people, of everything, when you start yelling. Which is why we tell you the assertive voice is always counterproductive. Okay? So... Yeah, that's so true. You, you can have assertive personality, just don't have the assertive tone when you're in the middle of the negotiations. The other thing that happened when you were saying, asking about, about fear, that's one of our laws of negotiation, gravity. Fear of loss is the single biggest motivation to a driver of motivation and decision-making. So you have to understand that when you're dealing with the counterpart. What is their fear? Are they afraid that they're going to be exposed? Are they going to be afraid that you're calling them out on something? Are they going to be afraid that they're wrong and now somebody's getting on them about it? What is their fear? What is the motivation behind them? That's where you get the curiosity. The other thing that I noticed was, what's your name, ma'am? Mariana? Yes. So Mariana said, 
something that I thought was very interesting, and I don't know if y'all caught that in the room. She said, sometimes I don't want to ask that difficult question because of my fear, because I, I don't want to go that far. Mm -hmm. So now she's negotiating against herself. <laughs> and if she's negotiating against herself, how does she know that person's not wanting somebody to get her to that point so that they can tell her? They want to tell you. And you're saying, I'm not going to ask that because I'm afraid that if I ask that, that might piss her off. And then somehow, some way, you finally get around to it, and she's like, oh, thank you. I'm so glad you asked me. And they get excited that somebody cared enough to want to know. Tone, tactical empathy, that's what you're building. You can't be afraid to say the difficult things. As negotiators, we had to do it all the time. You know, if we sat there and said, oh, I can't ask that, we had problems on both sides because that person's waiting for somebody to help them. And above us, we have the bosses saying, y'all are taking up time, it's costing us money. So you have to negotiate with both sides of the room, just like y'all do in business. You gotta negotiate the people above you. What's taking so long to get this deal done? And you gotta negotiate with the person that's, that you're talking to. Hey, what, what's going on? Why aren't we moving forward with this? You're finding out what the fears are. You're finding out what the problems are. You're finding out what's necessary to make this thing work. That's what we're teaching you. Don't negotiate against yourself. <laughs> and the third thing, what was it? It was about the, the that was asked. It was something that was just asked. And, not and not getting mad at somebody. Oh, how oh, you? Yeah, gotcha. That's that's one of the things we talk about in caviar. You have to be mentally prepared before you start the negotiations. If you're not mentally prepared, you're going in with all these ideas and things in your head, things that happen at your world. You got run off the road on the way over there, so now you're pissed off. You're not thinking clearly. If you're not thinking clearly, how are you going to listen to somebody else and get them to start thinking clearly when it's time for you to do your ask? So you have to get mentally prepared yourself in order to get to the point where during that negotiation, you're calm enough to stay focused and in the moment and go back to those listening skills that Sandy was talking about and say, why are they saying that? Why are they behaving like that? Not because they, it's, it's not an attack on you normally because they don't really know you. They have something that you, one of three things are happening. One, they don't think you're listening. And if they don't think you're listening, they're gonna get pissed off. You're wasting my time because you're not paying attention to me. Two, they're under pressure on their side to get the deal done and you're not helping. So they're telling you, I got all this internal pressure over here. I need some help, bro. Help me get this, get this contract ready. We wanna do business with you because we're sitting at the table. Help me. And you have to figure that out or they're manipulative. And in the past, that's worked for them, so they're gonna do it again. They got, a, they got a reputation of being able to go in there and intimidate you and scramble your brain so your amygdala's all screwed up and now you're saying and promising things that you shouldn't be promising. Saying you're gonna do things that you know you can't do. So get mentally prepared before you sit down in that chair. And I'll tell a story to, to y'all relating to that a little later so that you understand how important it is even on a 10 minute conversation.